the 119th Psalm is despondency of pleading for relief and salvation, but also of hope, of rejoicing, of indignation towards evil, of assurance, of faith, of determination to resist evil and obey God, and of thanksgiving. It seems to touch on almost the entire range of circumstances and emotions that a person of faith might experience over a lifetime. But the emphasis throughout the entire psalm is on a love of God's word, seeking after it, and being faithful to it. The psalm is characterized by Colin Delich's commentary in the Old Testament as, quote, a 22 string of aphorisms by one who is persecuted for the sake of his faith, end quote. In today's sermon, I want to review the 119th Psalm and see if we can discover some important lessons contained in its words. The author of the psalm is unnamed, is often attributed to David or considered a reflection of David's life, but opinion is divided as to the author. And as I said, it's unnamed, so it's a matter of speculation. The structure of the psalm is an acrostic, that is, it's a poem divided into parts, and each part begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each part is divided into eight verses, and each verse of each part begins with the letter of the alphabet, which forms the title of that part. For example, each of the first eight verses begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, and each of the next eight verses begins with Bet or Beth, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and so on, all through, through all of the letters of the alphabet. But as I indicated earlier, at the core of the psalm is the Word of God. Love for the Word of God is the theme, and there are variations on how that love is expressed, as in a piece of music there might be variations on a theme. The Kyle and Delitz commentary on the Old Testament states, quote, In our German version, it has the appropriate inscription, the Christian's golden ABC of the praise, love, power, and use of the Word of God. For here we have set forth in inexhaustible fullness what the Word of God is to a man and how a man is to behave himself in relation to it. The Messorah and the Messorah is uh, our notes on the uh, Hebrew text of the Old Testament. But it says the Messorah, I'm still quoting here from uh, Kyle and Delich. The Messorah observes that the psalm contains only the one verse 122 in which some reference or other to the word of revelation is not found as in all the 175 others. A many-linked chain of synonyms which runs through the whole psalm. In connection with this ingenious arrangement, it may also not be merely accidental that the address Yahweh, or Yahweh, as they uh, put it, occurs 22 times, end quote. The 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, by the way. As noted, Characteristic of the 119th Psalm is that it contains direct references 
to the word of God or key features or expressions of God's word in nearly every verse as we just alluded to. According to the Masorah, which again is a body of notes in the text of the Hebrew scripture by Hebrew scribes, according to the Masorah, quote, in every verse, verse 122 only ex- accepted, that's accepted, not accepted, verse 122 only accepted, we find one of the ten pointing to the ten fundamental words or decalogue of the Sinaitic law, expressions, and then they specify these words, which is in English, word, saying, testimonies, way, judgment, precept, commandment, law, statute, truth, or according to another reading, righteousness. Now there is some disagreement regarding the ten words. The companion Bible lists the words Imrah and Debar, which both mean word, and the companion Bible omits Amunah, which means truth. Adam Clark's commentary in the list he gives omits Imrah, which means word, because its meaning is nearly the same as Debar, another word, which means word, and and Adam Clark includes Imunah, which is a Hebrew word for truth. Now, so it's said in the various uh, commentaries and by the Masorah that there are ten different words used of the word of God in the 119th Psalm, but they disagree on which words these are. So it may be that the Masorah contrived a scheme in which there would be ten words referring to the law, matching in number the ten words of the law given from Mount Sinai, which in Exodus 20 and verse 1 says God spoke these words, the bar, or commandments. The words that he spoke were commandments. They weren't just suggestions. They weren't just words which some have tried to uh, make the point that that it says they were words, uh, not really commandments, but it's very clear from uh, the scriptures that they were not only God's words, they were his commandments, and Jesus said we're to live by every word of God. So God's word is commandment in that context. God delivered those words at Mount Sinai. In any case, it seems that all the words in question are relevant to the theme of the 119th Psalm as a declaration of love and respect toward the word of God and especially his law, his laws that he gave that form the backbone of his statutes, the Ten Commandments. Now, the ten words, as explained in Adam Clark's commentary, are as follows. The law which we would say in English from the Hebrew Yara or Torah, which is from the root Yara to direct, to guide, to teach, to make straight, or even to point forward because it guides, directs, and instructs in the way of righteousness, makes our path straight, shows what is even and right, 
and points us onward to peace, truth, and happiness. It is even our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we may be justified through faith and by it is the knowledge of sin. The second word is kukim, translated statutes from kak, the, he, the root word kak, to mark, trace out, describe and ordain because they mark out our way. Describe the line of conduct we are to pursue and order or ordain what we are to observe. The third word, pekudim, is translated precepts from the root pekad to take notice or care of a thing, to attend, to have respect to, to appoint, to visit, because they take notice of our way have respect to the whole of our life and conversation, superintend, overlook, and visit us in all the concerns and duties of life. Now, by the way, I might interject here that all of these words that we are relating and defining here are used of the law, the laws that God gave at Mount Sinai. In the next word in the list, is mitzvot or commandments from tazvah to command to order to ordain because they show us what we should do and what we should leave undone and exact our obedience. Fifth is the Hebrew word adot or adoth which is translated testimonies from the root ad denoting beyond, farther, all along, to bear witness or testimony. The rites and ceremonies of the law, because they point out matters beyond themselves, being types and representations of good things that were to come. According to Clark, but I want to add this, that one application of the term translated testimonies is the book of the law. The book of the law was placed in the ark. As you can see in Deuteronomy 31 verse 22. These were the writings of Moses. And while there are other applications, the spoken and written word of God is a testimony. And it is that by which we are judged. In John 12 in verse 48, John 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. And we read in Hebrews 4, beginning with verse 12, Hebrews 4 and verse 12, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we are being and will be judged by God and he will judge us according to his word, his testimonies. Next word 
is mishpatim, which is translated judgments from shafat, which means to judge, to determine, to regulate, order, and discern, because they judge according to our words and works, show the rules by which they should be regulated and cause us to discern what is right and wrong and decide accordingly. The next word in the list, number seven, is Umunah, according to Clark, and it is translated truth from the Hebrew root Amon, to make steady, constant, to settle, trust, believe. The law that is established, steady, confirmed, and ordered in all things, and sure, which should be believed on the authority of God and trusted to as an infallible testimony from him who cannot lie nor deceive. The eighth word is debar, which is translated word, and it's from the same root, debar, to discourse, to utter. It appears to differ from malal, to utter articulate sounds. Any prophecy or immediate communication from heaven as well as the whole body of divine revelation is emphatically called debar Yehovah, as Clark puts it, or Yahweh, the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh, on the same ground that we call the whole Old and New Testament, the word of the Lord, as we term the volume in which are contained the Bible, the book, as it's called, the word Bible just means books, or the book. And in his revelation, God speaks to man, shows him a clear, concise, intelligible, and rational way, his interest, his duty, his privilege, or privileges, and in a word, the reasonable service that he requires of us. The ninth word is direct, which is translated way, from the same root, Dirac, to proceed, to go on, to walk, to tread, the way in which God goes in order to instruct and save man, the way in which man must tread in order to be safe, holy, and happy, God's manner of acting or proceeding in providence and grace, the way that man should take in order to answer the end of his creation and redemption. And finally, the tenth word in this list, according to Clark's commentary, is tzedakah from Sadak, which means righteousness, or to do justice, to give full weight, that which teaches a man to give all their due, to give to God his due, to man his due, to himself his due. For every man has duties to God, his neighbor, and himself to perform. This word is applied to God's judgments, testimonies, and commandments. They are all righteous give to all their due and require what is due from every one. Concerning the words Imra and Debar, which are both translated word, as I said earlier, Clark, while acknowledging some distinction, says, quote, the two words appear often indifferently used, and it would not be easy to ascertain the different shades of meaning between these two roots, so he does not include both of those words but he includes, as I mentioned earlier, Amuna, truth, and uh, that seems to be reasonable. 
Clark's commentary summarizes the psalm as follows, quote, It is enough to say that it treats in general on the privileges and happiness of those who observe the law of the Lord. That law is exhibited by various names and epithets tending to show its various excellencies. Earnest prayers are offered to God for wisdom to understand it and for grace to observe it faithfully. These particulars may be collected from the whole composition and appear more or less in every part. End quote. So, all of these words that we just discussed are various words that apply to the law, God's laws, his system of law and specifically the laws given from Mount Sinai. Kyle and Delich again summarized the most salient features of the psalm as follows, quote, the poet is a young man. And I might say that Kyle and Delich insist that the author is a young man. However, I don't believe there is sufficient justification for such an, a conclusion. They offer a couple of uh, scriptures that I don't, really believe make their case convincingly and I believe personally that it could be a man of any age who wrote the psalm and quite likely a man of some maturity because of its content its principles in any case apply to persons of any age and Kyle and Delich go on to summarize that the author quote finds himself in a situation which is clearly des described he is derided oppressed, persecuted, and that by those who despise the divine word, where apostasy encompasses him round about, and more particularly by a government hostile to the true religion. Quote. And so we read in Psalm 119, verse 23, Princes, princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. And he says in verse 46, I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Verse 161, Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. We also see that the author is lying in bonds, as put in Kyle and Delich, as we see in verse 61, the cords of the wicked have bound me but I have not forgotten your law. Verse 83, For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. He is expecting death. In verse, beginning in verse 109, My soul is ever in danger, but I still keep the memory of your law. Sinners have put a net to take me, but I was true to your orders or your precepts. Also in Verse 95, we read, The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. The psalmist recognizes in his affliction the hand of God humbling him to a beneficial effect. Verse 67, Before I was afflicted I went astray, but now I keep your word. And verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. And verse 75, 
I know, Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. In the midst of all this, the persecutions, the affliction, the being bound or imprisoned, in the midst of all of these troubles, comfort is found in God's word. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. And going on it says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And beginning with verse 47, he writes, I will delight myself in your commandments which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments which I love and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction for your word has given me life. The proud have me in great derision. Yes, I do not, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I remembered your judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. And beginning with verse 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Your hands have made me and fashioned me, given, give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in your word. And beginning with verse 76, Let I pray your merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to your word to your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me, that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood, but I will meditate on your precepts. And beginning with verse 111, verse 111, your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. And in verse 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Beginning with verse 162, 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. The psalmist relies on God's word for wisdom and understanding. Beginning with verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Beginning with verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. Beginning with verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments. 
and beginning with verse 124, deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. For I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. Beginning with verse 129, your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Beginning with verse 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall live. Beginning with verse 169. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. The psalmist yearns for help and earnestly prays for help from God. Beginning with verse 145, I cry out with my whole heart, Hear me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I cry out to you, save me. And I will keep your testimonies. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness, O Lord. Revive me according to your justice. Verse one, verse 25, My soul clings to, to the dust. Revive me according to your word. And beginning with verse 28, My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. And beginning with verse 39, Turn away my reproach which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer to him or for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. And beginning with verse 81, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, When will you comfort me? And beginning with verse 86, All your commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help me. They almost made an end of me on earth, but I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. And beginning with verse 107, I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I pray, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. And beginning with verse 120, My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid for your judgments, or I am afraid of your judgments, I should say. I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors, 
be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. And beginning with verse 153, Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. And beginning with verse 169, Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Let your hand become my help, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it will praise you, and let your judgments help me. Kyle Delitz remarked, Quote, the whole psalm is a prayer for steadfastness in the midst of an ungodly, degenerate race and in the midst of great trouble, which is heightened by the pain he feels at the prevailing apostasy and a prayer for ultimate deliverance. End quote. Throughout the psalm, the poet praises fidelity to God's word. He abhors wickedness and declares a determination to live according to to its precepts. We read beginning with verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, to stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. And then we read, beginning with verse 53, Indignation has taken hold of me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. This has become mine because I keep your precepts. You are my portion, O God. I have said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your law graciously. 
I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. And then beginning with verse 39. Turn away my reproach which I dread for your judgments are good. Behold I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Let your mercies come also to me O Lord. Your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me. For I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For I have hoped in your ordinances. And beginning with verse 81. My soul faints for your salvation. But I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word. Saying when will you comfort me? Beginning with verse 86. All your commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help me. They almost made an end of me on earth, but I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. And beginning in verse 107, I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I pray, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. And beginning with verse 120, My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your your judgments. I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. And beginning with verse 153, Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. And then in verse 62, or beginning with verse 62, At midnight I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes. You dealt well with your servant O Lord according to your word teach me good judgment and knowledge for I believe your commandments and then in verse 133 or beginning verse 133 direct my steps according to your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments, your testimonies which you have commanded are righteous and very faithful. My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. And beginning with verse 157, Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and am disgusted, because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. And beginning in verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I will praise you because of your righteous judgments. Great peace of those who love your law. Nothing causes them to stumble. 
Lord, I hope for your salvation, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. So, like the psalmist who wrote Psalm 119, we live in an evil world. The world's always been evil, but it seems to be becoming more evil with each passing day. And in this evil world, there are many who despise God's word. There are some who would persecute the faithful. There are many actually who are persecuting people. And especially down through history, the faithful of God have been persecuted. There are those who in hypocrisy give lip service to God's word while practicing evil and opposing what is right. The 119th Psalm is a study in how to remain steadfast and determined to obey God's commandments, to keep faithful to his precepts in such a world, the kind of world that we live in. For us, its words can be a source of courage and of strength as we, like the psalmist, cry out to God for help.